We've waited all year. We are finally here. It is time for the Big 12 Championship game. My name is Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Big 12. Joining us today, it is Stephen Simcox, the host of Locked On Horn Frogs. We are previewing, previewing the 2022 Big 12 Championship game between TCU and Kansas State. That's coming up next. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. We are on the way to 2,800 right now. Our goal is 3,000 subs by January 1st, 2023, so help us make that happen. Follow us on Twitter, at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Steven Simcox, you are here today. TCU flag is behind you, for those of you who are not watching. Um, to represent the Horned Frogs, I, although K-State fans might hate this, I am representing here to help represent the K-State perspective as we preview this game. I've got my Willie the Wildcat shirt on. Um, first question, Steven, is, and I mean, like this year and in the future, what is on the line for TCU in the Big 12 championship game on Saturday? Well, I mean, there's a lot. I, I think you start with the college football playoff implications, and they feel it feels like they're in a good position, um, regardless. But I don't trust the committee enough to say mm-hmm. that they are just absolutely in if they lose on Saturday. I think losing your final game of the season in a game where most of the country is going to be watching would not be a great look. It would give the committee an easy way to spin the narrative of saying, "Oh, well, look at Ohio State; they only had a loss to Michigan." Um, I don't really think Alabama's in the mix here, even though some people still think they're sort of lurking with the two losses that they have. Um, so I think it's there. Also, just, I mean, if you come away with the 12-0 regular season and you don't win a Big 12 championship, that's super disappointing. Like, you can potentially make up for it if you make and then win a playoff game. Uh, but to not have a trophy to show for going through the round-robin schedule and not taking a loss would not be the way you want to end the season. Um, and I just think like this team has passed every test so far this year. They have a great opportunity in front of them. And so to keep kind of the momentum and mojo going, um, it's important that they find a way to, to win and be 13 and 0, be big 12 champs. They don't have an outright big 12 title yet. Like the, the one title they have was in 2014 and Baylor can always say, well, we won the head to head matchup. And so they had to split that trophy. Um, and so this would be the first, kind of you know outright power five conference championship for the school and this university um it'd be a, a huge win for Sonny Dykes in, in year one yeah I, I'm, I'm with you on that and I think uh you know it's like remove all doubt right is kind of the goal yeah. but it's funny that, that you and I are discussing this in the day that um that the big 12 or the excuse me 12 team playoff is now being finalized right recording this on mm-hmm. Thursday we just got the news that it's it's a done deal and, um, you know, you kind of wish that was almost the case this year, right? Because if that was the case, then TCU would probably pretty much be safely in uh, the field, but still playing for that seating in a top four you know, spot, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that it feels like TCU has to win because of the lack of respect that they're getting mm-hmm. for being a Big 12 school. I mean, we're even seeing it on, you know, ESPN first take every single week. There just seems to be a segment where it's like, all right, Let's do two minutes of Paul Feinbaum dumping on TCU. Clearly, a team that he's clearly never watched at all. Right, right. right. Um, and for as much TCU he is as he has not watched, he's probably watched even less K State. And I would say what's in the line for the Wildcats this weekend is, um, you know, like they're kind of this beacon of, of what like a 
a team can look like when you have some struggles during the year and then you kind of find the right group of guys, especially mm-hmm. in offense, and kind of get it rolling. If, there's a, if this were a 12-team season, I mean, you know, K-State's right there with the ability to go and make a playoff, and I don't think anybody would want to play a 10-3 and K-State team um, you know, in the college ball playoff. It's just won the Big 12 championship and, and things like that. And also, too, like for the program, you know, to – to win the last Big 12 title before the conference begins to change, you know, we add, they add new teams. Like, that's really important for them um, mm-hmm. because we're, like, you know, we're seeing this kind of th- – everything's turning right now, and we, we've seen such a turnover at the top of the league, right? Um, you know, the last three Big 12 championship games have featured six different teams, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Kansas State. Right. And so to get a big 12 title and to kind of show, all right, like, you know, we are one of those teams that can not only flex on those certain years, you know, upgrade eight and five, seven and four and turn it into a nine and three, 10 and two, but we can go and we can win and we can beat an undefeated team while doing mm-hmm. so. I think that's, that's really significant for them. Um, and thinking about this game, Stephen, from the TCU perspective, what are you most worried about? As I put it up on here, 11 a.m. on ABC, TCU, number three in the country, two and a half point favorite, Kansas State, uh, number 10 in the country right now, over under 62 and a half. What is, what is your biggest concern for TCU as we head into this weekend? Well, so the first matchup was so weird. I, I think both teams yes. came away thinking they really left, you know, a lot on the table. Obviously, Kansas State had the quarterback situation. Adrian Martinez plays one drive. He goes out. Will Howard comes in, just lights it up. You know, four touchdowns on four straight possessions. He's throwing the football all over the place. And they go up 28 to 10. And then uh, TCU scores a couple touchdowns at the end of the half and the start of the second half. Howard goes down. And K-State was never really able to get that back. And so I know from a Kansas State perspective, this offense is rolling right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, an interesting thing about the TCU angle here is they were missing, and I wouldn't have thought this was a huge deal at the time, but they were missing Bud Clark and Millard Bradford, two of their starting safeties in that matchup. And if you look at that stretch of games, like uh, Jason Bean at Kansas just had his way. Horched them. Yeah, in the air the week before. Um, Will Howard was great. Spencer Sanders had a really nice first half before they kind of locked it in. I think he was obviously dealing with the shoulder injury. That was an issue for him all year as well. But the pass defense has gotten a lot better since those two guys have gotten back in the lineup. So I think what I'm most worried about, you know, Deuce Vaughn is explosive. And I know he's going to get his yards both on the ground and as a receiver as well. But it's can they get pressure on Will Howard and force him to make big time throws? Because if he's allowed to just sit back there and kind of pick them apart like he was in the first game, then they could be a problem. Um, and I guess, Josh, just like where do you see this K-State offense now? Because, I mean, they saw Howard, but it was in the – you know, he came in in the middle of the game. I think K-State was probably still figuring out how to call a game with him on the field. Um, and now he's really their unquestioned starter, and Colin Klein's done a really good job of of revamping this offense in a way that uh, makes them really hard to stop. Yeah, I think that's that's the that's the thing about it is is the same way that Max Duggan is really good at distributing to all their weapons. They do a really good job getting everybody involved. I think same thing applies for Kansas State. I mean, they use Brooks and they use Knowles, and they do a really good job using the tight ends, using Ben Sennett as well, using Deuce Vaughn, DJ Giddens. I mean, that's the thing about this offense now is like the distribution for them has become so much more even. 
And I think that, like, you know, you're seeing across the board. I mean, I wish Texas offense could have achieved that this year. They really couldn't end up doing that. But, like, the best offenses in this league, um, I thought last year there was a whole lot of riding running backs, right, riding certain mm-hmm. players. And, look, there's a, there is a bit of that for TC with Kendra Miller. Sure, it's a huge part of their offense. But, like, the whole thing is when TC moves the ball around, you're like, oh, my God. Like, Darius Davis is really fast. Like, Tay Barber yeah. is really fast. Like, how are you going to cover Quentin Johnson? Like, oh, my God, Kendrick Miller's a bowling ball. Like, yeah. and it's, you know, you got you got to cover, you know, DeMarcado out of the backfield. Like, it's a lot of that, too, now for K-State, where I thought the problem they had with Martinez, especially early in the season, was it felt like it was a lot of big explosive running plays is what they had to hit. Yeah. And that's not the case anymore. Like, their running game, they sure they'll hit some of those but it's much more methodical running game and their passing game has become a bit more explosive. They're just really good at moving the ball down the field. And Cade Warner has been a huge part of that. Ben Sennett's been a big part of that. Just even that a little bit Sammy Wheeler at times this year, like they've got five or six guys and they really make you cover the whole field. I think much like you could say TCU does the same. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it is that idea of, all right, like let's, we got to heat the quarterback. The, the quarterbacks are, I think are going to experience some heat. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's the key here because those guys, if you give them time, it's just really difficult to cover everybody. And I know TCU's corner, TCU's got two really good corners in Newton yeah. also with Trey Hodges Tomlinson, but like you got to cover everybody. <laughs> you got to cover the whole field. Mm-hmm. And that's a challenge here, I think, for TCU's and be covering the whole field because Bill Howard's done an excellent job. I will say the one thing they don't do with him is they don't run him a whole lot. Um, so that is something that, that would be interesting if they made him get out of the pocket, made him move around, but they've done a pretty good job protecting him as well. Um, and I just want to ask you about Something, something else here. Um, path to victory. Unless you had something else that's it's no, no, no. This is good. We can path, path to victory for TCU. What is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's strange. You mentioned Kendra Miller. They've really kind of become a ground and pound team, at least in the second half of football games now. Yeah. So they do it seems like they have their full complement of weapons um with Johnson and he's gonna be back this week. Uh, Tay Barber and Darius Davis have kind of been in and out of the lineup as well. But I feel like it really starts with just running the ball well and getting into more manageable second and third downs. I felt like Max played maybe his best game ever uh, against Iowa State last week. Like he just looked really in control, made some great throws. It helped that they jumped on that team early and the Cyclones mm-hmm. were kind of ready to, ready to go home. But uh, yeah. he, lo- he looked about as comfortable as he has you know, uh, in the first five or six weeks of the season where it's lightened it up. So the offense, I believe, will be fine. You know, I guess it's got a good defense, but I think they can score. And then defensively, you talked about heating them up. I'm really curious to see, like, Joe Gillespie is not a guy who believes in bringing a lot of pressure. Like, he really wants to keep it at least early in games with his front three trying to get there. But I just don't think you can drop eight and, you know, seven and eight all day and let – Kansas State run the routes they want. Like there has to be some blitz packages here. One thing to watch too is um, Johnny Hodges, who won Defensive Newcomer of the Year uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. He's a transfer from Naval Academy. He plays their their middle linebacker position. He's got a hamstring pull, and they didn't rule him out on Tuesday. But I don't know. I it just it's all about the severity of it. I would just be really surprised if he's like full go and playing his full snap count. Um, you know. It, a week later. So Shadrach Banks has been kind of their fill in and he's done a nice job and they really don't have anybody else behind those guys who have played much or had any experience. So um, I think one thing that Baylor did that Jeff Grimes did in that game a few weeks ago 
is he ran a lot of counter. He did a lot of false reads with the guard and tackle. They were doing a bunch they were of, doing some exotic things yeah. with the offensive line of that. I mean, there were guys yeah. all over the place. Yeah, some crazy window dressing um, in the run game, and it worked. I mean, they were getting like seven or eight yards a pop. Right. Iowa State tried to replicate that, but they couldn't execute it well. Um, I'm imagining Kansas State can do that at a pretty high level, maybe not all day long, but to a certain extent. Um, so can they slow that down? Because after you know, after they shut down Bijan in that Texas game, they've really struggled against the run a little bit in the past few right. weeks. Um, so can they stop that and can they get pressure on Will Howard? Those are the things I'm really looking for. You, you talked about the two corners. I mean, I think their secondary has gotten better. Uh, but as you said, you can't cover guys for 10 or 11 seconds. It's just a tall task if you're going to have to do that. But from the K-State angle, um, what do they have to do to kind of get get a victory in this rematch on Saturday? They, they need to, I think, get an early lead because this this is the thing. You know, you look at Max Duggan at the end of that game. Like, he got he, he, both drives. He just nailed it. I know I know the throw was a little bit off to DeMarcado in the two-point conversion and, like, yeah. probably should have been a catch two that had a 50-50, I think, in, in terms of blame. But like they gave him the ball back and it was just, it was curtains. Like he's, he's too good. Like their offense is too good. And so I think if you're K-State, like the, like you have to make, you have to put this game out of reach in the, in the third, well, third, fourth quarter. Like you have to keep going. There is no sitting on it. And I think that's, that's the mistake Dave Aranda did and made yeah. with Jeff Grimes. They sat on that thing, man. Like yeah. even you could tell the emphasis was to keep and hold the ball. Shapin could have given that thing a go to try to get that first down on um, that third down and didn't do it and kind of gave himself. Well, and, and then they had like fourth and two and, you know, I mean, they go whole, for it. Their whole bid is going for it. And they, they, and they, it. they went away from that there. And so I think, um, you know, I, I think for them, like they have to keep it up all game long. And I will say like the one thing you mentioned, you know, uh, be ready to adapt because one thing is not going to work against TCU's defense the whole game. It's not, it's, that's not been the case at all this year, right? The one yeah. thing they do really well is making adjustments. And I think the one thing, the other teams have not done as well as making the adjustment to the adjustment. And look, Kansas State, I'm not sure we can say they had that opportunity in the first game. I think it's pretty fair to say. Sure. Um, because of the, the the rotating door of quarterbacks they had. But like the the one thing TCU does so well is blood in the water, man. It's just it's over for you every single time. Like you have to be like once you get that lead, you have to be really, really um careful to like, you know, limit your mistakes, but also at the same time, keep going forward. That's the one thing that's really difficult about playing TCU is like, how do you do both? Right. How do you stop? You know, how do you make sure you're not too uh, regressive or conservative on offense, but also still trying to push the ball forward and score and put them in a bigger hole. Right. Like that's, that's kind of what's cost teams at times against TCU this year. And so I think that's the thing for K-State is like, find that rhythm of trying to keep that TCU defense off balance and if you can get there and like, just keep it up all game, keep it up all game, expect the adjustment for them, especially on the offensive side of things. And on defense, you know, the one, th- the one game I think we look at here where things really went wrong for TC was the Texas game. Mm-hmm. And that is because I think Texas athletes up front were way too much for TCU's offensive line, which is a big problem. We go to the playoff. That's the story of the different day. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was not even, a, you know, Matt, I think still, Max's calf is a bit ding, dinged up. Do you agree with that? Because he has not looked right since that West Virginia game, running the ball. No, yeah, he, he's lost some explosiveness. And I yeah. think uh, he's holding on to the ball a lot longer than he typically would in these yeah. normal situations. If you can collapse that pocket on him, man, I mean, he's, he will go – you know, he kind of looks like almost like Eli Manning, right? You remember Eli Manning those last couple of years of just like – just turtle. Just sit just, down. Uh, yeah. Just with turtle. And 
look, you know, I don't, I don't blame him at certain times. Um, it's it also helped him protect the football a bit more, I think, this year than he has in the past. And so that's what I would say too: is you got to generate that pressure. You got to generate that pressure because I know Kansas State's got good corners too. You can't cover these guys. You can't. Nah. Even if Quentin Johnston's like hurt, uh, and is he good to go? Are we? They say he's good to go. They say his ankle. I mean, he's got a he's got a sprained ankle, and he right. they haven't had any time off. So it's it's basically like each week has been. He goes as long as he can go, and then somebody somebody falls on it or he tweaks it, and then he's out. But he did rest last week, and Sonny said he looked the best he has in about a month. So, and even the Texas game, he was injured, right? Yeah. And still, I still got loose. Now it's coverage bust, so it could happen to anybody. But like, you know, that guy will make you pay anytime. I mean, you mess up, and I think that's also the one thing about his game, where he is such a difference maker. Is he's so good at. Obviously, get you can catch contested balls, sure, whatever you can go deep. We saw that he showed that more last year, but like now that Max is more good at, in the intermediate, we've seen so much more of that working to the football open space skill where he's just yeah. like he does the basketball player thing, right? Like he's really good at essentially posting up. I think mm-hmm. the Kansas game was a clinic in that he basically would just post up and like drop step, and guys would run by him and run past him, and he hits the Jets and he's good. So we'll see on the ankle, but you got to. You know, contend with that guy's size and speed. Save John Williams' size and speed. Darius Davis' speed. Tay Barber's speed. Like, Tay Barber will go quiet for three, you know, three quarters, and then all of a sudden, 38-yard touchdown, you know, because he's, he's loose. So that's what you have to contend with, and I'd rather just get after the quarterback, right, than have to deal with that all day. The dam eventually breaks. We saw it against Texas. It eventually will break, but can you yeah. limit the number of times that it breaks? Well, and, I mean, Tech had some success with this, too. And, obviously, like, Tyree Wilson is, is a dog, so that was a big part right. of it. But yes. they were the bringing – The rightful defensive player yes. that you're in the Big 12, mind you, also. They were bringing pressure. And, I mean, Max was uncomfortable. Like, through three and a half quarters, right. he was frustrated. And, and that is one thing. He's gotten a lot better at it this year. But he is a pretty emotional guy, which is part of the reason why he can be good at times. But the flip side of that is – he'll get to a point where he tries to like win the game himself or he just gets, you know, so irritated with not being able to get a pass off that he kind of loses ball security control and all those things. Um, and so I expect him to try to do that. And TCU's tackles um, in Brandon Coleman and Andrew Coker have showed, like they've shown some weakness at times. And I held up pretty well against K-State in that first matchup. I'm, I'm curious to see what adjustment they makes. But it's hard to beat that in the, the front three in the interior – their two guards in their center are really good. Their tackles are a little more suspect. And when they have trouble in the O-line, that's usually where the pressure is coming from. Yeah, and, and Kansas State's had a good job getting after the quarterback this year. Uh, you know, they're third, and I think, in league play getting to the quarterback. And also, they don't allow many sacks, right? They, they don't allow a ton of, ton of sacks. I will say that the one thing I think benefits DCU is, like, that speed of the linebacking core is, is pretty impressive. Now, Johnny Hodges, who – how is he not on the first team? Why is D Winters? I know D Winters might be more talented. But like, why is D Winters on first team All Big Twelve? Yeah, D's had like, not? yeah, I don't know. He had like seven and a half sacks, and I'm assuming that like people looked at that and went with him. But I was, I was surprised. He's had a good year, but I was surprised that he was first team linebacker. They've got, they've got everything in that in that linebacking core, right? I mean, Hodge is your is your big stick, Punisher. Yeah, uh, is your stick. We've seen that a million times. Um, Winters is like your. I guess what more pass rushing, you know, yeah, kind of sideline to sideline guy. Yeah. And Hodges mm-hmm. is the guy who's just everywhere, right? He's the mm-hmm. tackling machine. He just racks him up. Um, and, and also the same for, uh, you know, Perry in the back end too. Like I think people don't talk about this enough. TCU's two leading tacklers are both transfers this year. And, yeah. um, you know, on a team that's largely the same guys, um, 
you know, I think it's pretty impressive. Those two guys are, are the leading tacklers. Uh, as far as like a prediction goes, do you think that TCU can win a second time against Kansas State? Everybody says it's difficult to do, but to me, it's going to be a much different ball game. And you almost kind of throw out the first game, I think, in some ways. No, I agree with that. And, you know, I might be getting too caught up in um, the the matchup with Iowa State because it did go so well. And that was really the first – it sounds weird to say for an undefeated team. That was the first time this year that they really dominated a game from start to finish against an opponent that they um, had similar talent. Uh, Oklahoma? Yeah, Oklahoma. That's true. Oklahoma too, yeah, yeah. They, they own that game for yeah. the most part. But it had been a while. But they had, you know, they had really gotten in this rut of like just survive and and advance. Um, and I, I think Coach Dyke said like after the Baylor win, the guys just kind of took a deep breath. It, it it just seemed like collectively they were like, okay, well we got past that one, and right. surely like surely it's not going to be crazier than that. Maybe, yeah, we just, yeah, yeah. maybe we can just relax a little bit. Um, and so they got healthier last week. I think the energy will obviously be high for both teams. I just feel like. TCU's speed in that indoor stadium should play a big factor. Um, I think the offense is going to do its work. I think the defense will do enough. And I expect it to be a close game, but they're comfortable in those situations. So, yeah, I think think TCU wins. I think they cover. I don't feel like it's going to be a blowout, but obviously the spread, as you see there, is is pretty thin. So, um, I got the Frogs winning it. And what what's your your thoughts on the matchup, Josh? I'm the same way. I got TC winning this game because I, I see it being close. And like, here's the thing: is that you know, you throw, okay, I guess throw out the I want to throw out the first game because I think some of the stuff doesn't matter still. But like against the teams that are more talented than than Kansas State, and I mean from a pure talent perspective, I would say TCU is there, right? And I would say that um, Texas is there. They lost both those games. I don't think there's anybody else in the league who's like, you know, and, and I mean, you know, Baylor's got a ton of talent everywhere, but like that team is way too young, like yeah. way, way too young. We're talking about like where the talent is from on the field. And I'm not even sure that team's much more talented uh, than K-State is. But like I would say Texas and OU are the teams that you look at. And OU, that's not refined talent at all. It's a new coach, not really the same situation. May, I mean, like maybe because it's so weird. Yeah. But like the good teams that were more talented beat them both this year. Right. And that, that two lane team is actually pretty talented too. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with this. Like, and think about TC, and I keep saying this over and over again. Like, they're not a bit, they're not a big 12 team if you look at them coming off the bus, Steven. And I actually got to, I, I've been saying this a bunch. I legitimately got to watch them physically come off their bus in Kansas City earlier this year at their team hotel in, in, when they were staying. Uh, completely unrelated, had no idea they were staying there. <laughs> it looks like an NBA team. Like, and, you know, it's like, it looked like Auburn's football team and basketball team are like hanging out together. Like they got some guys who are like, is this the basketball team? Like, who are these dudes? And like, you know, even the guys like Kendrick Miller's a tank. Max Duggan's like really, oh, he's a, he's a he's big guy. dude, man. And they have all these dudes like Oliva, you know, those guys up front. I mean, they've yeah. got some big guys. They got some long athletic guys. And then you watch them play. They got some fat. I mean, like, Track speed. Darius Davis got track speed, man. I mean, yeah. there's a reason why he's he's the special teams player of the year. Like, as good as Malik Knowles, Phil Brooks are, as fast as those guys are, Davis has a bit more in tank, it feels like, when you watch that guy. And so that's why I think is yeah, a bit more, a bit more on the on the talent side. And also, if it's a close game and you're asking me to pick a team and also pick a quarterback, Will Howard's been awesome. He's a completely different guy. It's been amazing to see. 
I know he hasn't really been pressed in an end of game situation where he's like, got to get the job done. But man, Max Duggan, I mean, time in and time out, save the one fumble against Texas, which was just bizarre and weird. Yeah, that's weird. It's he's been money. He's been money. The team's been money. And I mean, if we think it's going to be a close game and we have one team that's been criticized for only winning close games, wouldn't I just pick the team that's won all the close games? Like, I hate to make it kind of that elementary, but I think that's kind of what yeah. it comes down here to. And look, I think it's a close game. Like, I don't think Kansas State's much worse than TCU is. I think they're pretty mm-hmm. even teams. Wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way. But I know it's hard to beat a team second time, but I have to go with TCU just because of that. Uh, and I would also say, oh, mm, Probably under. Probably under on the okay. total, I think. It's always tricky with these games because there's, you know, there's pressure and you don't know if these offenses. I, I think it's gonna be some nerves. I actually think it's gonna yeah. be some nerves. I, I think I think it's where, the way it's gonna be. Well, and and Josh, like it's I can't believe I mean Max Duggan's most likely gonna be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. Yeah, he won the Johnny Unitas award, which I know is like, you know, uh, yeah. not the best day, but like the guys the Heisman. offensive player of the year. I mean, it's just it's like yeah, if you told me before the season that he was going to improve and they were going to win, you know, seven or eight games. I'd be like, okay, that I could see that happen. But I would think a lot of it, I, I said this earlier this week, I was like, in my mind, I'd be like, okay, that means they probably used him a lot in the design run game and they really simplified things for him and they were having him throw, you know, high percentage passes. I didn't think it would be him throwing like deep crossers in go routes all the time and just like, sitting in the pocket like well that's just that's just thing you had talked about it last year it's like it was the intermediate stuff but just always yeah and, and at times this year it's it's haunted them too but like yes. like he skips he's, become a, he's just become this i mean they really believe in that guy and he's played so much like he's played so yeah. much football and i was thinking steven he must suck in practice like he must really suck in practice for him to lose that job and then just be as good as he is on game day right i mean you know i think some of that too is like with this offense, I think they wanted to be a bit more high percentage, right? I think they yeah. thought Chandler Morris gave them that opportunity. And Max has just done a phenomenal job managing that thing. Well, and, and what I really heard about it too was like Chandler Chandler doesn't have – like Max has a big arm. Chandler doesn't yeah. necessarily have that. Like he is much more anticipation, you know, hitting the throws, like making sure he's – the timing's good. And so that's why they, that's a big reason why they went with him is just because they thought he was like more refined at what they were doing in this offense. And of course, Max has kind of run with it and they've changed things up a bit. But yeah, I, I'm still in awe of the fact that he's like one of the best. He's going to go to New York. He's going to be a Heisman finalist this year. And, and you look at the, you know, the contestants kind of. I mean, he won't win this thing. It's Caleb Williams' award at this point, sure. I, I believe. But yeah, I mean, you, you know, we look back at last year, like some of the, you know, they just, the games that Max Duggan would have, it was like never the most efficient guy in the entire world. You know, um, no. and it was like 11 for 25. Right. For like <laughs> 200 yards and two touchdowns. But, right. And he, yeah. yeah. And a lot of it went to Quentin Johnson. And also they've, they've really not run him at all. It feels like a whole lot. No. This is the West Virginia game. And that's the same thing too. Like Will Howard actually got run a lot last year. They've stopped doing that and they don't need to, you know, mm-hmm. if your passing game's that good, you don't need that deception that you had in the running game, Martinez. So, I'm fascinated, Stephen. I'm really excited. Hopefully, Paul Feinbaum will be watching after he was forced to apologize on the whatever Sports Center thing with Matthew Barry. But it's this game is, guys. It's the only championship game that features two top ten teams. College Game Day is going there. ABC obviously at noon. So if you're looking for the game of the weekend, I think this and USC Utah have it written all over it, Stephen. I'm really mm-hmm. fired up. Where can people find you and the show? Let the, let the folks know where they can 
get more locked on Horn Frogs. Yeah, I'm at Simcox Steven, as you see the handle there. Uh, the show is at Locked On TCU. And subscribe on YouTube. You know, we're pushing that too, as everybody is. Uh, and then it's obviously also wherever you find your podcast. Awesome. Steven Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. Appreciate your time and very fired up for this game.